Welcome to the GAHI Leadership Podcast. The Georgia Association of Healthcare Executives, or GAHI, is committed to the development of leadership skills, knowledge exchange, and networking opportunities. GAHI represents a broad range of healthcare executives, professionals, consultants, and students throughout the state of Georgia. GAHI's Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Vicera. Vicera offers the leading platform for hands-free clinical communication, workflow optimization, and alarm management. Vicera simplifies and improves the lives of healthcare professionals and patients while enabling hospitals to enhance quality of care and operational efficiency. All right, uh, welcome to the Gahi podcast. Uh, I'm joined this afternoon by uh, Larry Tyler. We're really excited to have him um, uh, on the show, but a, a quick introduction about Larry. Larry is currently the chairman and CEO of the Practical Governance Group, um, a team of healthcare consultants and academics passionate about good governance and the education of healthcare boards, uh, which makes him very qualified to speak on our topic today, which is healthcare governance. Um, uh, their group uh, activities include conducting board presentations, board retreats, uh, board self-evaluations, and the board and CEO succession planning, um, as well as writing comprehensively on governance issue. Uh, Larry has more than 35 years of experience guiding healthcare executives through the executive search process. Um, as the founder uh, and CEO of Tyler & Company, a leader a leading health uh, care executive search firm. He specializes in CEO searches. Um, and during his tenure, he conducted approximately 185 of those searches. Um, and after the sale of Tyler and Company to Jackson Healthcare in 2013, Larry stayed on during a three-year transition, developing the practical governance group, with it, which gives education and training uh, to healthcare boards. Um, and then in addition to these two really successful companies, uh, Larry has served on many boards, uh, such as uh, the American Association of Healthcare Consultants, ACHE, FMA, and the list goes on and on, as well as uh, many um, very impressive awards uh, Larry has been nominated for over the years. And then um, Larry earned a Bachelor in Science in Industrial Management from Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, and a Master of Professional Accountancy from Georgia State University in Atlanta. So, Larry, welcome to the uh, to the podcast. Um, that was a, a lengthy introduction, uh, but we're excited to have you today just to discuss healthcare governance, to ask you some questions and, and get into it. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, Sam, for inviting me. Yeah, so first question, can you tell us a little bit about your professional experience and your journey in healthcare? Well, uh, I didn't come up through the traditional ranks of healthcare. Um, I, you know, you talked about my degrees. I got an undergraduate degree from Georgia Tech, my master's in accounting of all things from Georgia State, uh, worked for Price Waterhouse on the audit side, never audited a healthcare uh, organization, a uh, couple of years of CFO, non-healthcare. Um, then in May of 1978, uh, a fellow named Rick Jackson, who I'd met at a, um, a, a, a Bible study um, hmm. convinced me that I should come over and I'd make a great executive search consultant. I'd been there about five months. And wow. then um, then the owner decided he wanted to sell out. 
And so he came and I ended up buying myself, which was something usually people just leave and they mm-hmm. put up their own shingle. But yeah. uh, I had, I'd only been there a short time and I thought this guy could help me. So anyhow, the net result was I started uh, what, what became Tyler and Company and we ended up with five offices. Along the way, and you're probably going to ask me, how did I get into this governance stuff? Because I executive search makes sense. The governance part of it may or may not make sense. But what happened was I had written a book called Tyler's Guide, and it's still available on Health Administration Press. And it's now in its fourth edition. It was about how to change jobs in healthcare, And so it had been a successful book. And I got a call one day from Health Administration Press, and they said, you know, we want you to write a book about uh, healthcare governance. I said, well, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that or not. Hmm. Um, I know some of it, but I don't know everything. And I said, why don't you call my friend Errol Biggs? And Errol ran the, the program in Health Administration at the University of Colorado, one of the top 10 programs in the country. He was also on a board of a publicly traded REIT and had been doing some stuff in governance, lecturing and things like that. So they called Errol and uh, Errol at first turned him down. He says, he told him, he says, I'm too busy. I'm an academic, which was sort of a, <laughs> something you had to think <laughs> about. Uh, but uh, anyhow, the net result was he and I combined together and wrote the book. It was called Practical Governance. And it was about, you know, things that a board should be doing focusing mostly on basics at the time. And so uh, the board vote, the uh, book came out, it was very, very successful. And we started lecturing, writing, and and uh, we had pod, not podcasts, but we had uh, webinars and things like that. And then um, ACHE put together a live course for passing the um, ACHE exam. And I was asked to teach the governance portion of that. And that was a lot of experience and did that for about 10 years. And so, uh, and now when we have our GAHE review course for the exam, I teach the governance portion of that. And currently I'm doing the rewrite on practical governance. It's called Practical Governance to Building a Better Board. And we're just about finished with that that thing we're right now trying to tie down all the loose ends and there's some there's some loose ends you get into when you're writing a book you got to get permission for this and permission for that so that's mm-hmm. been my uh, journey in how i ended up getting into uh, governance consulting awesome that was that was really great and a, a really interesting impressive uh journey our second uh question is just if you could give our listener just a brief overview of of what is healthcare governance? What does a typical hospital health system board look like? Um, you know, to the to the person that maybe doesn't have a great understanding of healthcare governance. Okay, um, you're required to if you're a nonprofit, and that's what mostly I do. I don't do for-profit governance, but you're required by uh, as a Getting a becoming a 501c3 or whatever nonprofit you're going to become, you're required to have a board, and the board has to be independent, and you have to have a organizational structure. You have to have bylaws. You have to have a chairman and officers, uh, secretary, vice presidents, uh, treasurers, and things like that. So um, you got boards 
out. I mean, their board's just everywhere in the nonprofit sector. So then you get into and and healthcare is the biggest part of the of the healthcare of the nonprofit sector by mm -hmm. dollars. Okay, mm -hmm. so we just overwhelm everybody else. Mm -hmm. So um, if you think about a board, a board will be uh, there to they really basically have these responsibilities. They can hire, fire, evaluate, terminate the CEO. That's number one responsibility. Mm -hmm. Second one, they're responsible for finances of the organization. They're responsible for the mission, vision, values of the organization. They're responsible for the quality of the organization. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in a healthcare environment, the quality is extremely important. It ranks up there with finances because of all the issues that you get into when you're dealing with life and death. So you, the board governs the, uh, at the 30,000 foot level, the strategy and whatever happens, but the CEO works for the board and generally is the only person that works directly for the board. You see some variations of that with the chief compliance officer, whereas a chief compliance officer has to report to a, a committee and, but also has to have administrative report internally. So uh, a board focuses strictly on the CEO and, and nobody else is, being, is supposed to be reporting to the board. All right? Yeah. That was awesome. That was, uh, yeah, really comprehensive. Um, and, and really helpful. And that kind of leads into our next question, uh, which is you know, you've done a lot of work uh, with a lot of nonprofit healthcare boards and, and governance groups um, in your career. And uh, can you give an example of maybe a, a really exceptional board um, and maybe what made uh, this group of leaders, you know, exceptional, good at what they did. I know one of y'all, one of your slogans of your company is getting a board from good to great. So, so what makes a board great? Well, you know, the probably the number one board I worked with was one for an organization called AvMed Santa Fe. And you may not have heard of it, but it what happened in the 90s or in the 80s, a lot of the uh, nonprofit hospitals were adding managed care plans. Okay. Then they mm -hmm. figured out they didn't know how to run managed care plans and they sold them off. Well, this mm -hmm. A uh, group of hospitals in Gainesville, Florida, had a system with four hospitals, I think, and they had a, a health plan. They did exactly the opposite. <laughs> they sold the hospitals mm. to HCA and kept the health plan. Mm. And so uh, AvMed was just a, it was a it was a real pleasure. They had five different parts of the organization, and each one of them had its own board. There were some inter interconnections between the boards. And so they asked me to come down and do a lecture. I got to working with them and then they had me do a board self-evaluation. Um, and it was so impressive what they did. Uh, most boards, when they do it, if they do a board self-evaluation, self which doesn't always happen, uh, they evaluate the board as a whole and they evaluate their own um, role in that board. In other words, uh, they're not being evaluated by their peers. They're evaluating themselves. Yeah. And so um, 
AVMED had gone past that, and they'd gone to one of the aspects of a great board is when you have a evaluation by your peers and the board chairman's evaluated by the board. And that doesn't happen very much at all. So what happened was after I did my, my evaluation, we, f we found that there was one member of the board that was a new recruit and was just talking too much. And mm -hmm. so, and so it was making the board meetings go longer than they should. Mm -hmm. So what happened was the, uh, the board chairman took it upon himself and sat down with this member, explained what was happening, showed him the results of the survey, and it changed his behavior. And so what happens is that if you do that sort of thing, if you can eventually get to the point where you're each board member is being evaluated individually, you really are have moved way ahead of what most boards are able to do. And so and I, when I gave the self-evaluations, it was just they were all very, very positive about how they were working with each other. So it was probably the best right. board that I've, I've ever worked with. As I was um, uh, looking through some notes, I typed in AvMed Santa Fe and the 23rd of January, they announced that they were going to be purchased by Centera. Hmm. So Centera's health plans has purchased AvMed down in Florida. Wow. It's wow. very, very, it's just, everything's has really moved ahead from the, yeah. uh, you know, from the time that when we were all trying to, trying to uh, manage plans and then we got rid of them. Now we got them back again. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, yeah. Our next question, what will healthcare boards look like um, in your opinion in, in 20 years? You know, we see the trend of, of mergers of all these, you know, conglomerates of healthcare kind of coming together, will that affect the structure uh, from your expertise? Uh, it's already affected it. And um, let's go back. When I first got into healthcare in 78, on through the 80s, we were, we were doing cost-based reimbursement. So it was easy to be on a hospital board because if we made any mistakes, the government paid us for those. And in other mm -hmm. words, it was, <laughs> whatever our costs were, they paying somewhere close to it and mm -hmm. uh so to be on a board all you had to do is attend a monthly meeting you didn't really have a whole lot of crises uh you sat there and listened to what the ceo had to say and uh that was about it and every once in a while you had to fire the ceo because the ceo had made somebody mad but that was about it and then we got into drgs and then we kept moving into where we are now so that started a whole bit of consolidation. Uh, this consolidation was going on uh, in the 80s and 90s with the real growth of uh, the for-profits as nonprofits were selling out to them and taking the money and using mm -hmm. it for some other charitable purpose. Mm -hmm. So um, as the consolidations have gone on, every time you sell the hospital to somebody, that changes the governance structure because you lose some of your fiduciary duties. I give you, and one of them is, you know, typically, you may or may not, you may not even have approval of the of the finances. In other words, in, a, in other words, you're in a situation where um, some of the fiduciary duties get pushed up to the parent board. Mm. You may not even be able to hire and fire the CEO. 
you may have somebody just show up says i'm your new ceo so things really change as consolidations happen oftentimes the local boards they're glad to take the money for the sale and glad and but they think that they're going to be able to have the same duties and powers that they once had before and that just generally does not happen so mm -hmm. if you're in a subsidiary then you know it's then the chances are high that your now turned your board is now an advisory board and not a fiduciary board mm -hmm. although yeah. although there are some fiduciary duties that you can't get away from regardless of your circumstances, you know, like the duty of loyalty and, and the duty of obedience. So the net result is our boards at the local level now have to step up and be better than they were before. And now it's harder for them to do that. And a lot of times they just get, they just give up. And uh, they're not doing the things that they need to do to be a self-sustaining board. Therefore, let's give this problem somebody else. Let them deal with it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the boards that have the sophistication now are all at the system level. Mm -hmm. All right. So the system level can do several things that local boards won't do. Number one, most of them are paying their boards are doing some kind of compensation arrangement, right? And mm -hmm. number two, uh, they have, uh, most of them are centered in major cities where they can have a wealth of talent. And, uh, and third, uh, the systems tend, to, if they don't have the talent that they need, they tend to import it. And I'll give you an example of that. When Ninfa Saunders took over at what was called the Medical Center of Central Georgia, now called Navicent, uh, one of the things that she did was to convince them that they needed some expertise that they couldn't find in Macon, Georgia. Well, they found it in Atlanta. And so therefore they moved, they had board members that came down uh, for monthly meetings there. Uh, often tell the boards that are considering selling to a bigger entity that one of the things they need to negotiate is somebody that they pick up the expenses for somebody coming from out of town to the local to the local board meeting because of that expertise most often i would mm -hmm. add i would tell them they need, really need to bring a doctor into that role so the net result is uh the boards at the system level are getting more sophisticated the boards at the local level are losing their powers and uh, the biggest issue that I see with the boards at the local level is the inability to get away from the concept of having a community board with representatives, all the representatives being that in the community and they just don't need to have that. It's fascinating, it really is. Well, last question here just to, just to wrap up, um, you know, we have a lot of a lot of people listening are kind of early to mid maybe you know late career but, but looking to get experience and how to get involved with boards and and what kind of advice would you give uh to a healthcare uh manager uh to really get you know get their feet wet and get involved with some boards well i think the the first thing that they can do is they need to to learn what a good board should look like because if you don't, because the, the, that type of understanding and experience can translate to other things. Some people are going to end up on homeowner boards, homeowners association. 
you know, oh, Lord, those are rough <laughs> boards to be on. And uh, they sometimes have people on the board that don't know anything about uh, about what governance is all about. So mm-hmm. I think that um, I'll put in a plug for taking the ACHE exam because there's a governance section on that. It's only mm-hmm. 5% of the exam. But at least in the review course for that exam, you can learn some other things about governance mm-hmm. and know what's crazy behavior and what's not. Um, I would also say that you need to uh, serve on some boards and you do that first by starting committee work and volunteering mm-hmm. for the committee. Next thing you know, you're the vice chair or the chair of the committee. Next thing you know, you've moved up on the board. Once you're on the board, then you've got the opportunity to be chairman. Although, uh, that may be something that you don't want to do depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about that. Uh, the other thing is that once you are on a board, a nonprofit board, you get selected to be on other nonprofit boards and that works out, you know, very well mm-hmm. for somebody moving, moving up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you also really need to, to understand the concept of fiduciary duties and that's the duty of care duty of loyalty, duty of obedience, and a duty of disclosure. Those are the four that you have to know. Otherwise, you can get yourself in trouble. Now, I'm going to give you an example about the uh, duty of disclosure and the duty of, of loyalty. So I was, um, you know, uh, after I was regent, I, run, I was regent for Georgia, so I automatically went on to the board of GAHE. Mm-hmm. So then they asked me to stay on as a, a senior as a senior advisor, and and so I'm on the board in a non-voting capacity just because of gray hair and experience, I guess. <laughs> so so anyhow, we had a meeting. We were looking for accountants. Uh, and uh, so uh, we had sent uh, our treasurer out to look and see if we could find an accounting firm to help us. And came back with three. He and one other person had interviewed them had gone, gotten proposals and they had recommended to us, they'd recommended to us a uh, one firm. And so I'm looking at the firm and this is my duty of disclosure. So I said, I know this firm, they do my tax return. Hmm. Where one member of the board says, well, you have a conflict of interest, duty of loyalty. Conflict mm-hmm. of interest, therefore, you can't vote on this. <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute, you know, yeah, I don't have yeah. any kind of, the conflict of interest here. I just given a duty of disclosure, but this is where you need to be as a board when things like that come up so that you are aware that there's something there that's not, might not be a problem and you bring it up. And that's one of the things that I see sometimes with boards, they let things fly by and nobody ever says, well, wait a minute, let's rethink this. Let's think, is this really a duty of loyalty issue? Is it a duty of disclosure? Is it a duty of, of uh, care? What is it? And mm-hmm. so if you're going to learn those, that will help you in your career and allow you to be careful when you get on the board to make sure that there's not something that is uh, illegal or unethical going on that, and you don't even know about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to keep people out of, uh, out of jail. Um, definitely. Well, uh, that was awesome, um, Larry. And again, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and, and, and chatting with us a little bit about uh, healthcare governance and, and boards. And um, I really appreciate your time today. 
Well, I'm more than happy to give it to you and call me on call on me for anything else you need. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. This has been the Gahi Leadership Podcast. For more information, find us online at gahi.org.